Amen. All right, we're there in Luke chapter number 17. And of course, we've been going through a series called Journey with Jesus. We took a break from that series this Sunday. Uh, my family and I were out of town. I was preaching at Sure Foundation Baptist Church, but uh, we're back into uh, our series. And uh, tonight we're going to be dealing with uh, end times prophecy. And I'm going to be preaching on the subject of, of the end times. And of course, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 20 uh, through uh, 37. Now, I did skip verses 11 through 19 of chapter 17, so for the three of you that noticed, I just want you to uh, know that we're going to come back to those verses later. Um, but in verses uh, 20 through 37, uh, we have this passage on uh, the subject of the end times. If you look at verse 20, Luke 17 and verse 20, the Bible says, and when he, this is referring to Jesus, was demanded of the Pharisees, When the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's interesting to me that whenever, and it didn't happen a lot, but whenever Jesus in the scriptures is asked about the timing of the end times, whether it's the disciples asking in Luke 21, which we'll get to at some point in this Bible study, or whether it's the Pharisees, asking here in Luke chapter 17, because I want you to notice it's the Pharisees that are asking. Uh, in fact, the Bible says they're demanding, if you look at verse 20 again, and when he, Jesus, was demanded of the Pharisees, notice the question, when? They're asking in reference to the timing, when the kingdom of God should come. Whenever Jesus is asked about the end times, uh, like I said, in Luke 21, the disciples will be asking about when shall these things be and what will be the signs of thy coming, uh, it's interesting to me that Jesus always answers the question. He doesn't skip it. He doesn't, uh, he, he answers for them. Notice there again, verse 20, he answered them and said, and then he goes on for the next several verses to teach on the subject of the end time. So we're going to study this uh, uh, tonight and look at this. And I, I hope you're, you're ready to uh, kind of flip pages because it's going to be very much of a Bible study tonight. But let me just begin by saying this. Tonight I'm preaching, the, 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 the title of the sermon is uh, how the teaching of Jesus disproves the pre-trib rapture. And we're going to look at this idea tonight of the pre-tribulation rapture, which is a belief that we do not hold here at Verity Baptist Church, and, uh, but it's a belief that most uh, Christians uh, believe. And I'm going to show you from the Bible how this is an unscriptural teaching on uh, the rapture. And if you're here tonight, you say, I've never heard that before. I never even knew that anybody didn't believe the rapture. I would, uh, they didn't believe we believe in the rapture, of course, but didn't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I would just encourage you to just follow along with us, go to all of the references, and look at what the Bible says, and I think it'll become clear uh, what the Bible teaches about this. Now, I want you to understand that here in the first couple of verses, they're asking him about the kingdom, and Jesus speaks to them regarding two different kingdoms and two different comings. And I want you to notice, whenever you study the Bible, you should look for things that are repeated or things that are uh, said in parallels because those are used by the Lord Jesus Christ to kind of outline things for us. And I want you to just notice in verse 21 where the Bible says, Jesus said, neither shall they say, notice this little phrase, lo here or lo there. And then look down at verse number 23. And in fact, if you don't mind writing in your Bible or, or taking notes in your Bible, you can write, draw an arrow from verse 21 to verse 23, because in verse 23, he says, and they shall say to you, see here or see there. So I want you to notice 
that in verse 21, he makes this statement that when they say to you, low here or low there, and then in verse 23, he says, when they say to you, see here or see there. And the reason for those two parallel statements is because Jesus is referring to two different comings or advents. Of course, we know that Jesus came twice or will come twice to this earth. The first time or his first advent was, uh, of course, in Bethlehem's manger. And the second time he comes, the Bible tells us he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The first time he came as a lamb, the second time he's coming as a lion. But notice there in verse 21, he says, neither shall, uh, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold. Now, I want you to notice this, and actually just back up real quickly to, to verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, here's the answer, one of the answers, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The word observation means, or observe, means to be able to visually see something or to be able to to predict it or to, to see it coming. And he says here that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And what he's referring to, because we're going to, because he goes on to give you all these things you can observe about the second coming, what he's referring to is his first coming or the first kingdom. Because remember, they, refer, they ask him about the kingdom of God. They demanded when the kingdom of God. And in verse 21, he says, Neither shall they say, Lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And if you remember a few weeks ago, here in our Luke series, we did a little study on that uh, phrase, the kingdom of God. And we saw the different things that the kingdom of God can be applied to. Of course, we know it can be applied to the work of God. It can be applied to, to heaven itself. It can be applied to people getting saved. And here Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you because of the fact that the first time that Jesus came to this earth, he established a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men. Of course, we know that he brought the gospel. He created a holy nation, a peculiar people. He brought in the New Testament, and he created this spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men. So he tells the, the Pharisees, he says, look, the kingdom of God is within you, meaning that you're, you're looking for this physical kingdom because that's what they want. And that's what this, this entire book really for the last several chapters has been about, the fact that Jesus is going to go down to Jerusalem and die, but they keep wanting to make him a king. They keep wanting him to establish a physical kingdom. And he says, that's not what I came to do. He said, not this time. He said, this time, when they say, low here or low there, he says, don't believe it because the kingdom of God is within you. But then he says, well, look at verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. He said, I'm referring to this time right now. Because he says, this advent or this coming is not going to last forever. In fact, we know, of course, that after the resurrection, after 40 days of the resurrection, he ascended up to heaven. And this is what Jesus is referring to, that there's coming a day when he will not be on this earth. And that's the day you and I live in today. He is gone or has ascended up to heaven. And now we are waiting for the second coming or the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice the difference because when he refers to the first coming, he says, don't believe them when they say, low here or low there. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you, and the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. But then he says, I'm going to go, and ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, 
and you shall not see it. He says, after that, there's going to come a time when you're going to wish you could see me, but I'm not going to be here. And then he says, I will return. Look at verse 23. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. He says, go not after them, nor follow them. Here in verse 23, he's now referring to the second coming or the second advent. And he says, when they tell you, see here or see there, go not after them. Now, you might be asking, well, okay, the first time you said when they say low here or low there, don't go after them because the kingdom of God cometh out with observation and the kingdom of God is within you. You came to establish a spiritual kingdom. But why is it that then the second time when they say low here or low there, are you telling us not to follow them or not to believe it? And in verse 24, Jesus says, here's why. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. So here's what he's saying. He says the first time you don't want to believe them when they say low here or low there because the kingdom of God, if, if you have it, it's within you. It, it cometh not with observation. But he said the second time when they say so, uh, see here or see there, the reason you don't want to go after them is because Jesus says when I return to this earth, it will be obvious to everyone. He says, as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven and shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in, in all his day. He said, when I return, no one's going to have to tell you, oh, look. He said, it'll be clear. It'll be obvious that I am coming back uh, to this earth. But Jesus, in verse 25, brings it back because he, he's kind of, going back and forth between his first coming and the second coming. Talking about the first coming, talking about the second coming. He tells them, the second time I come, it's going to be like, like lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven and shineth unto the other part under heaven. But then in verse 25, he goes back. He says, but we're not there yet. We're still in the first advent or the first coming. Verse 25, but first must he, this is Jesus speaking in the third person, speaking about himself, the Son of Man, must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. So all of that was just kind of introduction to get us into the portion of Scripture that I want you to notice. Jesus is speaking. They ask him, when will the kingdom of God come? And he says, well, which one are you referring to? Because there are two different kingdoms coming with two different advents. The first time I come, I'm coming to establish a spiritual kingdom, an invisible kingdom in the hearts of men. He said, the second time I come, I'm going to establish a physical kingdom where Jesus will physically, literally be reigning on the throne of David over the entire world, known as the millennial reign of Christ. And then Jesus, he's, he's telling them, the first kingdom cometh without observation, so don't let anybody trick you and tell you low here and low there. He said the second kingdom comes with a lot of observation, so you don't need anybody to tell you, see here or see there, because when I come, you'll know it. Everyone will know it. And then he tells them right now, what we're waiting for, verse 25, is that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. And then in verses 26, 27, 28, 29, and 30, he tells them, Here's what you need to be looking for, for the second coming, or the second kingdom. And I want you to notice, he gives two different Old Testament examples of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns and, rap and the rapture happens. Look at verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noe, that's the New Testament form of the name Noah, the Old Testament name Noah. As it was in the days of Noe, so shall it 
also, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Look at verse 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So here Jesus is telling them, if you want to know about the first kingdom, here's what you need to be looking for. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. He said, if you want to know about the second kingdom, it's going to be like the days of Noah and like the days of Lot. And Jesus here is explaining and teaching about his coming. And by the way, let me just say this, just by way of introduction, uh, of introduction the, the story of Lot, if you're familiar with the story of Lot, of course, you know that Lot was Abraham's nephew. He lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. The story of Lot is symbolic of the rapture. The fact that God sends the angels in to pull out the saved people before destruction comes is symbolic of the rapture, which is why Jesus brings it up. So let me give you three thoughts uh, tonight, as quickly as we can, regarding the uh, rapture and regarding the things that are going to happen in the end days. If you're taking notes, I always encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write down some things, and maybe you can write these uh, points or these headings. Number one, let's talk about the characteristics of the rapture. The characteristics of the rapture. The way that Jesus kind of talks about these things, he refers to them in different days. In the, in, in, when referring to the rapture, he, he calls it in the day, in the day of. Notice there again verse 24. For as lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. In his day. I want you to notice that the first thing that Jesus tells us is that the second coming and the rapture will be obvious. It'll be something that everybody, no one's going to wonder, you know, what's happening. And let me just say this. When the Bible refers to the second coming of Christ, that is a reference to the rapture. Today, those who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture will separate those two events and say, oh no, the rapture and the second coming are two different things. I'm going to show you without a shadow of a doubt tonight that that is not true. The Bible does not teach that. When we refer to the coming of Christ, He's coming in the clouds for uh, believers, and it is a reference to the rapture. And the point that I want you to understand is that Jesus makes it clear that when He comes, it's going to be obvious. He says it's going to be like lightning that flashes across the sky everyone's going to see it. We're going to look at it here in a minute. I, I, don't, I don't want you to turn there yet, but go to Revelation if you would. Revelation chapter 1. Uh, last book in the Bible should be fairly easy to find. Revelation chapter 1. When you look at the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says that when he comes, the sun's going to turn dark, the moon's going to turn into blood or turn red, the falls are going to start from heaven, the, the, falls are, uh, the stars are going to fall from heaven. These are all events that are going to catch people's attention. Everyone on earth is going to notice the sun going black, the moon going dark, the stars falling. Everyone's going to notice that. You say, what if you're blind? The Bible says there's going to be an earthquake that will shake the entire earth, and even the heavens themselves will be shaken. So even if you can't see the sun and the moon turn dark, you'll know something's happening. Today, people say, oh, no, when Jesus comes, no one's going to know it. You know, and they put out these movies like Left Behind or whatever, where people disappear and everybody's just wondering, like, what happened? Did aliens take them? 
Where did they all go? Let me tell you something. When Jesus returns and raptures us out of here, no one's going to be asking what happened. Everyone is going to know exactly what happened because the second coming and the rapture will be obvious. Revelation 1, look at verse 7. Notice what the Bible says. Revelation 1, 7, first book of of the book of Revelation, obviously the, the book about end times. But verse 7 is probably the key verse, not just of this chapter, but of the entire book. It is the it is what the entire book is about. Revelation 1 7. Behold, he, referring to Jesus, cometh. I want you to notice that little phrase, cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. So the second coming and the rapture is going to be obvious. Every eye shall see him. Now, how can that be? Well, of course, it'll be because of technology, but it'll be because of the fact that everyone's going to notice the sun going dark, the moon going dark, the stars going dark, the earthquake that'll shake the entire earth. Everyone will notice the coming of the Lord. So not only will the rapture be obvious, but let me just make this clear. The second coming and the rapture are a reference to the same event. They're a reference to the same thing. I want you to notice you're there in Revelation 1-7, Behold, he cometh with clouds. The Bible says that he cometh with clouds. Now here's what the pre-tribulation believing crowd, the dispensationalists, they'll say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. The coming of Jesus and the rapture, those are two different events. You know, and they believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation. They believe that the rapture is the first event in the end times prophecy. So they say, no, the rapture is going to happen Everyone's going to be... Didn't you, Kirk Cameron didn't teach you this? No. Didn't Nicolas Cage teach you this? Everyone's going to be wondering where everybody went. And then after seven years, this is what they teach. It's not what the Bible teaches. After seven years, then Jesus will come back and the second coming. So they'll scoff at us and they'll say, you don't even understand that the rapture and the second coming are two different things. And my answer to that is, you don't understand what the Bible says because the Bible doesn't say that. I want you to keep your finger in these different places because I'm going to have you turn back and forth because I want to prove this to you without a shadow of a doubt. So keep your finger right there in Revelation chapter 1 and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. We already saw from Luke 17 that Jesus said, hey, when I come back, the day of the Son of Man is going to be like light shining across. Everyone's going to see it. That's what Revelation 1-7 is referring to. He cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. Now, I want you to go to Matthew 24. And verse 29, and in Matthew 24, we're jumping into the Olivet Discourse. Now, we have not gotten to the Olivet Discourse in Luke 17, in, in the book of Luke yet. Luke 17 is actually chronologically before the Olivet Discourse. We're going to see the Olivet Discourse in Luke 21. So what's interesting is what we're studying tonight in Luke 17 is actually the first time recorded in the Gospels, if you look at it chronologically, where Jesus speaks on the subject of the rapture and of his second coming and of the end times. Notice Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately. This is what the pre-tribbers and the dispensationalists like to say. They say, nothing is in chronological order. You can't just read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit help you understand it. You need all of our charts and all of our books. Nothing is in chronological order. Well, here's what the Bible says, immediately after. Doesn't that sound like a chronological order? Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall... Here's the signs. The sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. 
and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. That's what Jesus was referring to when he said that when I come back, it's going to be like lightning flashing across the sky. Then shall appear the signs of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall say, and they shall uh, see the Son of Man coming. Now, you're there in Matthew 24, 30. You see there in verse 3 where it says, they shall see the Son of Man coming. Flip back to Revelation 1-7, behold, he cometh. Okay? So talking about the same event. You say, oh, I don't know, maybe there's multiple, you know, maybe it's not really referring to that. Okay? Revelation 1-7, behold, he cometh with clouds. Go back to Matthew 24-30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming, notice these words, in the clouds. Okay, same event. In the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. And what's going to happen when he comes in the clouds? Because according to the pre-tribbers, this is seven years after the rapture. Well, here the Bible says, you shall see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. You shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. And then, verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven, to the other. Okay, what's what's uh, Matthew 24, 31 referring to? It's the rapture. The fact that, the, the, that he's coming with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect. And, and the dispensationalists say, oh, the elect is referring to the Jews. Not according to the Bible. And I don't have time to develop this and you can study this on your own homework assignment for you. Study the word elect. Find the word elect all throughout your King James Bible. You know what you're going to find? It's referring to believers. It's not referring to the Jews or the nation of Israel. You have that, That's a made-up thing that is not backed up by Scripture. Now, keep your finger there in Matthew 24. You can, you can lose your place in Revelation 1 if you'd like. Keep your place in Matthew 24 and find 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In the New Testament, you find all the T-books that are all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, 1st Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's look at it from 1st Thessalonians chapter 4. Because here's the thing about 1st Thessalonians 4. People will debate with you whether Revelation 1-7 is referring to the rapture, whether Matthew 24 is referring to the rapture. But here's the thing. No one debates that 1st Thessalonians 4 is referring to the rapture. I mean, 1st Thessalonians 4, verses 15 through 17 are the quintessential verses on the rapture. I mean, they are the verses on the rapture. If these verses are not about the rapture, then there is no rapture. And no pre-tribulation rapture believer, no dispensationalist, no one disagrees that 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, 16, and 17 is referring to the rapture. So let's read it. Let's put away the commentaries and put away the books and just read what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, look at it. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto, don't miss it, the coming of the Lord. Oh, you don't understand. You need to get a Bible college degree so you can understand that the rapture and the second coming are two different things. Not according to Paul. The quintessential passage on the rapture, and he says, let me tell you about the coming of the Lord. He said, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them. The word prevent means to come before them which are asleep. He says, when the rapture happens, we're not going to be raptured before them that are asleep. Verse 16, referring to those that are dead in Christ. 
saints that have passed away. Verse 16, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And look, the pre-tribbers, they want to teach, oh no, it's a secret rapture that nobody's going to know about, no one's going to hear. Well, the Bible says that the Lord is going to descend because it's the coming of the Lord, and He's going to descend with a shout. They're like, oh, it's going to be a very quiet shout. It's going to be like a shout. You know, like, no, look, the Bible says that He's going to descend with a shout because He's getting everybody's attention. With the voice of the archangel. Notice these words. With the trump of God. And that's not referring to Donald Trump. With the trump of God. Now look, what did we see? Go, flip back to Matthew 24. What did we see in Matthew 24? Verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And then you go to 1 Thessalonians 4, and it says that he's going to descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, with the trump of God. You say, why are we seeing the same, uh, the same wording and the same characteristics? Here's why. Because Matthew 24 is the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4 is the rapture. The rapture is the coming of the Lord with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. A trumpet's going to be blown. To, and you, you ask this people, no, no, it's going to be a secret rapture. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know what happened. Then what's the point of shouting? And what's the point of the voice of the archangel? Then what, what's the point of blowing a trumpet that no one is supposed to hear? Does that even make any sense? Or is it, no, it's, it's going to be like a dog whistle. You know, only, only believers are going to hear it or something. No, they're blowing a trumpet. Look, he's blowing a trumpet because he's hitting the world's attention. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Notice, uh, excuse me, go, go, 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Okay, I want you to notice it. Verse 15, the coming of the Lord matches Matthew 24.30, see the Son of Man coming. Matches Revelation 1.7, he cometh. Verse 16, the trump of God. Matches, Matthew 24, 31, a great sound of a trumpet. And then in verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's a reference to the rapture. That matches Matthew 24, 31. They shall gather together his elect. These are all referring to the same thing. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now just quickly flip over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, just to give you another, just to, just to you know, kick a dead horse. 2 Thessalonians 2.1 Now we beseech you, brethren, notice what Paul says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. Notice how Paul connects these two things, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together unto Him. The gathering together unto Him is obviously a reference to the rapture. So why does he connect those two things? Because those two things are connected. Because the, the rapture and the second coming are a reference to the same event. And the second coming is very obvious. So that shows us and that proves to us that there's no such thing as a secret rapture. 
There's no such thing as a left behind movie where people disappear and everybody's wondering what happened. No one's going to be wondering what happened. Everybody's going to know exactly what happened. When the sun goes dark, the moon goes dark, the stars go dark, the earth shakes, the heavens shake, and God sends his angels to gather together his elect. And they see the coming of the Lord. Go back to Luke 17. Luke 17. Just to make it even more clear that this passage is a reference to the rapture, let me just, and I, look, we, I've already, I mean, we, we could close our Bibles and, and, and say amen and go home because we just, I just showed you from the Bible that the second coming and the rapture are a reference to the same event. They have the same characteristics. He comes in clouds with the sound of a trumpet and he gathers together his elect. We saw that in Matthew 24. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4. We saw that in Revelation 1. That's what Jesus is referring to in Luke 17, verse 24. For as lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. That is a reference to what we saw in Matthew 24, Revelation 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. But just to make it even more clear that this is a reference to the rapture, look at the rest of the chapter in Luke 17 and tell me this is not about the rapture. Because he starts out by saying, it's going to be like lightning that shines the entire sky, brightens the sky, Everyone will see it. Then he says in verse 34, just skip down to verse 34, Luke 17, 34, real quickly. We're going to come back and hit some of the verses that we skipped. But just look at verse 34 because I just want to make it clear this is about the rapture. I tell you, in that night, there shall two be, uh, two men, uh, there shall be two men in one bed. Notice, the one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. That is the rapture. This chapter is about the rapture. You say, what is it about the rapture or about the second coming? Both. Because they're the same event. So we see the characteristics of the rapture. We see that the coming of Christ and the rapture will be obvious. We see that they're the same event. And we see that they're the subject of this passage. There's no such thing as a secret rapture. Now, let me quickly show you the conditions before the rapture. This is what Jesus says in the days. Notice there, verse 26, Luke 17, 26. And as it was in the days of Noe, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. The emphasis that Jesus is telling us when he brings up the days of Noah is that in the days of Noah, it was business as usual. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Look at verse 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. And he goes on to say, until God destroyed Lot and brought Lot out. The point that's being made by the Lord Jesus Christ here is that before the rapture, on this earth, it'll be business as usual. And I want to take some time and just explain this because the pre-tribbers will say, see, this proves the pre-tribulation rapture. Because they have this misunderstanding that they think the tribulation is the same as the wrath of God. I'm going to disprove that to you from the book of Revelation here in a minute. 
But they've got this misunderstanding. They think the tribulation and the wrath of God are the same thing. So they say, oh, no, no, the rapture has to be before the tribulation, which when they say tribulation, they mean the wrath of God. Because what they're saying is, how can it just be business as usual when God is just sending scorpions from hell and and, and sending fire from heaven and just destroying the earth? Well, here's the thing. This same passage that you use to prove that is telling you that the judgment of God will not come, the wrath of God will not come until he has first taken out the believers. They did eat, they drank, they married uh, wives and were given in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark. Noah gets in the ark before God sends his destruction. Lot is removed out of Sodom before God sends his destruction. See, the wrath of God and the tribulation are two different things. You say, well, what is the tribulation? Go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Let's look at what the Bible tells us the tribulation period is. Revelation chapter 6, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we just don't have a lot of time to spend on this. The, the tribulation period, according to the Bible, is divided into two sections. One is known as the tribulation, and the other is known as the great tribulation. The tribulation period, and I'm not, I just want you to see it so you can look at it. I'm not going to take the time to read all these verses. I'll just give you a quick outline. In Revelation 6, verses 1 and 2, the, the tribulation period, like I said, is divided into the tribulation and the great tribulation. The first, the, what, what divides this, uh, this section, the way that God outlines it in the book of Revelation is using seals. He used seals for... The first part, what we would call the tribulation, then he uses trumpets for the wrath. And then later on in the book, he uses vials and different things as well. The tribulation part is divided by these seals. The first four seals correspond with what's known as the four horsemen. This is what's known as the tribulation period. In verses 1 through 2 of Revelation chapter 6, you have the white horse which is the Antichrist. Like I said, I'm not going to take time to read it. You can just write this down, study that out on your own, or read it. It's real, it's real clear that it's the Antichrist. Verses 3 and 4 of Revelation 6 is the red horse. What does the horseman on the red horse do? He brings warfare upon the earth. He takes peace from the earth. Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6, is the black horse. What does the black horse do? He brings famine. Then Revelation 6, 7 and 8 is the pale horse. What does the pale horse do? He brings death. Death upon the fourth part of the earth. Why is there death? Because there's famine. Why is there famine? Because there's warfare. Why is there warfare? Because there's an antichrist. These four seals are connected together by these horsemen. Now here's what you need to understand. Nothing in those seals is supernatural. There's nothing coming from heaven. God hasn't opened up the heavens. God hasn't opened up the uh, hell. There's no supernatural uh, beast coming out of hell and stinging people or destroying people. It's warfare. It's famine. It's death. It's earthquakes. It's pestilence. Those are all things we have on earth right now. Now at this time, because the Bible tells us that like a woman in travail or a woman in labor, the labor pains get 
get stronger and stronger the closer you get to the birth. Obviously, this is going to be a very difficult time. There's going to be a lot of warfare. In fact, the Bible teaches there's going to be a world war at this time. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, uh, and uh, the entire world will be at war. There'll be a lot of famines. There'll be a lot of death. It's going to be a hard time. But here's what I want you to understand. There's nothing supernatural going on here. These are things that have been happening through human ages, and there are things that are happening right now. There are places in this world tonight that are experiencing war, that are experiencing famines, that are experiencing death. And the fact that it says that they did eat, they drank, married wives were given in marriage, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it, does not prove anything. Because let me tell you something, our world has been through more difficult times than even what we're experiencing now. I mean, World War II was a more difficult time than what you and I have experienced in our lifetime. World War I was a more difficult time than what you and I have experienced in our lifetime. And you know what I can tell you about World War II and World War I? That while the world was at war and while people were dying and while there was famines and while there was pestilence and disease, these are all things that war provides. While all those things were happening, do you know that people did eat and they drank and they married wives, and they were given in marriage, and they bought, and they sold, and they planted, and they built it. People do that. I mean, even if we look at our little lame pestilence we went through, coronavirus, people still ate and drank and got married, and bought and sold and planted and built it. So the fact that these things are happening during the tribulation, if you understand what the tribulation is, it's the Antichrist putting the world at war, it's world warfare, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, death, doesn't even affect the entire earth, the fourth part of the earth. That doesn't mean that everybody, the fourth part of the population dies. It just means that on the fourth part of the earth, there's massive death going on, probably where the battles are happening. It's still going to be parts of this world where it's business as usual. Because even, even during the Black Plague... People still went to work. People still had to feed their families. People still had to do all these things. So Jesus says, look, before the rapture, it's going to be business as usual. And the pre-tribbers, they like to say, well, that's proof for the pre-tribulation rapture because they don't understand that tribulation is only referring to things that we've all already been going through and Christians have been going through. The great tribulation, go to Matthew 24, is of course a reference to the persecution of believers. And let me tell you something, that's been happening since the beginning, and it's even happening now. And it's going to get bad, yes. But you say, well, isn't it going to get really bad during the great tribulation? Yeah, let's look at who it gets bad for, though. Who's it going to get bad for? Let's just look at a couple verses, Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation... I don't have time to develop all this. You can study this out on your own. The abomination of desolation is a reference to the, the, the image of the beast. The beast puts up an image. He rolls out the mark of the beast, 666. People have to take the mark in order to buy or sell. And Jesus says, when ye see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Let's just skip a couple of verses for sake of time. Look at verse 21. He says, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. So this time 
uh, to this time, no, nor ever shall be, and except those days shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, who's the elect? Saved people. The elect's sake, those days shall be short. You say the great tribulation is going to be a, a, a terrible time, such as was not since the beginning of the world. Yes, that's true. It's going to be a terrible time for who? For the people who don't take the mark. The people that are being persecuted, they can't buy or sell. They're having their heads chopped off. Who are the people that don't take the mark? Christians. Everyone else takes the mark. Jesus says that the mark of the beast and the mark of the image and the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're so convincing that if it were possible, it, they would, it would deceive even the very elect. But the very elect are not deceived. A true believer will never take the mark of the beast. You say it's going to be a bad time for who? For believers. For, for saved people that are not taking the mark of the beast, that are being persecuted, that cannot buy or sell, it's going to be a very difficult time for them. You say, what about everybody else? What about the rest of the world that does take the mark of the beast? You know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be eating and drinking and marrying wives and being given in marriage, and they're going to be uh, buying and selling and planting and building. Isn't that the whole point of the mark, to be able to buy and sell? I mean, look at Luke 17, 28. Here's what the pre-tribbers say. Well, there's no way that the rapture uh, can, ha can happen uh, because, you know, they're going to be buying and selling. Luke 17, 28. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold. The whole point, they're taking the market so they can buy and sell. So it shouldn't surprise you that Jesus says, hey, you know what they're going to be doing right before the rapture? They're going to be buying and selling. So how are they going to do that? With the mark that they took in the right hand and their forehead. This is what Jesus is teaching. So don't let somebody tell you, oh, well, it's going to be business as usual. Yeah, it's going to be business as usual for the world. They're going to be experiencing peace with the Antichrist, establishing a one-world government, a one-world religion. It's going to be great for them. It's going to suck for us. But it's going to be great for them. No, but for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened, what Jesus says. So we see, number one, the characteristics of the rapture. The rapture is obvious. It's the same as the second coming. It's the subject of Luke 17. We see the conditions of the rapture. It's going to be business as usual for the world. They're going to be experiencing peace like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. But it's not going to be as business as usual for us. We're going to be under persecution. But for the world, they're going to be buying and selling and eating and drinking and marrying and give, being given in marriage and planting and building until the day that Jesus comes. Then I want you to notice thirdly tonight, look at the calamity after the rapture. Because what Jesus is teaching here is this, that the wrath of God comes on the same day. I want you to understand this. Jesus is teaching that the wrath of God comes on the same day as the rapture. And he's teaching that the wrath of God comes after the rapture. I want you to understand that because we're going to compare that to Revelation, and we're going to see a timing of these events. Look at Luke 17, 27. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Notice, they were doing all these things until the day that Noah entered the ark. What happens when Noah entered the ark? And the flood came and destroyed them all. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage, until Noah entered the ark, and then came the wrath of God. Then came the flood. Then came destruction. Look at verse 28. Likewise also, 
as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Notice verse 29. But the same day, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When the Son of Man is revealed is what we saw. The light shining across the light. The, the sun and moon and the stars going dark. The earth shaking. The heavens shaking. He said in that day it's going to be like the days of Lot where on the same day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone. Go back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. While you go there let me just read to you Revelation 1-7. Behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierce them. And all kindreds of the earth, here's what the Bible says, shall wail because of him. Why are all the kindreds of the earth going to wail because of him? Because the same day that Jesus returns and raptures us out of here, the same day the wrath of God is going to come. Now let me just prove this to you from Revelation. And let me just give you just a real quick sequence for these events. Okay? In Revelation chapter 6, we already saw... The tribulation, right? Saw the first four horsemen, the, the tribulation. Then the fifth seal is open. That's the great tribulation. The sixth seal is open. That's the rapture. The sun, moon, go dark. Look at uh, Revelation 7 and verse 9. So in Revelation 6, I just want you to get this in your mind, okay? Just get this chronology. Revelation 6, Revelation 7, Revelation 8. Revelation 6, the four horsemen... The abomination of desolation, the tribulation. Revelation 7 is the rapture. Look at verse 9. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne. The throne of God is in heaven. It's proven in the same book. And before the Lamb, referring to Jesus, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. What is this a reference to? It is a reference to the rapture. A great multitude which no man could number all of a sudden appears in heaven of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues stood before the throne. And what's funny is that the pre-tribbers, they so desperately want the rapture to happen, you know, before the tribulation, is that they will look you in the eye and say, that's not the rapture. And it's like, if that's not the rapture, then what, what in the world is it? And, you know, and it's like they, they can want to come up with all these crazy things. They, they want to tell you that there's a, there's, a, there's a special rapture just for the Jews. Okay, well, here's the thing. That, this isn't it. They're from all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. And then you'll say, well, if this isn't the rapture, then where's the rapture in the book of Revelation? And, and people, they get so, they become so loyal to their Bible college training. I mean, they'll go as far as saying, oh, the rapture is not in the book of Revelation which is just the most ridiculous thing you could believe. God gave us one book in the New Testament about end times prophecy, and he leaves out the main event. I mean, the main thing, the rapture, it's not in there. It is in there. It's right here, Revelation 7 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, look, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. This, my friend, is the rapture. Amen. Period. You have the tribulation, chapter 6, the rapture, chapter 7, and just to make it clear, 
Because remember we saw in Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun be dark and the moon shall not give her light, the stars fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. All of that is in Revelation 6. Just to be clear of what's happening here, look at Revelation 7, 13. After this multitude shows up in heaven, verse 13, and one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these? That's a phrase, an older phrase, which we would say it this way, who are these people? Who are these? What are these which are arrayed in white robes? He says, what are they? Or we would say, who are they? And then he says, and whence came they? Whence means from where? So he asked this question about this group that we saw in verse 9. This great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne. A question is asked about those people. They're asked, what are these and whence came they? Who are these people and where do they come from? Look at the answer, verse 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I mean, the Bible is so clear. And then you match that with Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Shall he send forth the angels to gather together his elect? Look, you have to be purposely trying to not... I mean, it's so clear. You have to be purposely just lying to yourself to say... When he says, look, there's a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues that stood before the throne and before the Lamb and clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And then, the, and then just almost just to be funny, he's like... Because the guy knows the answer to the question. He says, what are these? And whence they came they? And in verse 14, and I said unto him, John says to him, you know who they are. Sir, thou knowest. And he said, I know, but I just want to document this in Scripture just to really make the pre-tribbers look stupid. Amen. These are they which came out of great tribulation Amen. and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be dark and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken. He shall gather together his elect. The tribulation happens in Revelation 6. The rapture happens in Revelation 7. You say, what does that mean? That means that the rapture is after the tribulation. Which is funny because that's actually what the Bible says. Now, just to be even more clear, oh, no, the, the tribulation is the wrath of God. Well, hold on a second. Has the wrath of God started in Revelation 7? Let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it just real quickly. Revelation 7, verse 1. And after these things, oh, no, the, church, the, the book's not in chronological order. Well, that sounds like an order. And after these things. Now, this is before, because remember, we saw the rapture in Revelation 7, 9. So, Revelation 7, 1 is before the rapture. I just want you to notice what the Bible says here. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the winds should blow on the earth, nor, uh, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels. I want you to notice what he says. To whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Okay, don't miss this. You have... You have an angel, verse 2, ascending from the east. He has the seal of the living God. 
And he's telling the four angels, what four angels? The four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. These are the four angels that are going to bring the wrath of God upon the earth. Now the angel coming from the east with the seal in his hand is talking to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Notice what he says to them, verse 3, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So here's the question. Have they started hurting the earth yet in Revelation 7.3? The answer is no. In fact, the angel's telling them, don't, don't start pouring out God's wrath. Don't hurt anything until we've sealed the foreheads uh, of the servants of our God. Now, I don't have time to develop this. You, need to, you can study this out on your own. You say, what is he referring to? He's referring to the fact that they're going to seal the foreheads of the 144,000. You say, what, what is that about? Well, you, here's all you need to understand, and I, I won't take the time to go into this needs its own sermon, but the Jehovah's Witnesses are completely wrong about the 144,000. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that every, you know, everyone's going to be on earth, stay on earth, and the good Jehovah's Witnesses are the 144,000 that are going to go up to heaven. That's, that's exactly backwards from what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually teaches that everyone is gathered in the rapture and goes to heaven except for 144,000 male virgin uh, 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 individuals that come from the, um, from the 12 tribes of Israel. They actually come down to the earth during the pouring out of God's wrath. But before God begins to pour out the wrath, he puts a seal on their forehead to make sure that they don't get hurt because God will not pour out his wrath upon his own children. So... The 144,000, the Jehovah's Witnesses say, everyone stays here, the 144,000 go up. The Bible says, no, everyone goes up, the 144,000 come down. And, and I'm only bringing that up to show you that the angel says, don't hurt, you four guys, don't hurt the earth, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Referring to the 144,000, you keep reading the, the, the chapter there, the, the 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes get sealed, they come down, and then in verse 9, everyone's in heaven. Every kindred of every tongue and nations and people, the rapture. Now, now, now look at Revelation 8.1. Revelation 8.1. Because we're looking at the chronology, right? What happened in chapter 6? The tribulation. The antichrist. The abomination of desolation. The great tribulation. The persecution of, of, of uh, believers. What happened in chapter 7? The rapture. Every kindred and tongue and people, a, a, a number that could not be, a people that could not be numbered is in heaven. 144,000 are sealed and they go down to earth. What happens in chapter 8? Look at verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So I want you to notice the six seals opened. The sun goes dark. The moon goes dark. The stars go dark. Jesus comes back, gathers his elect. They're all up in heaven. The seventh seal is opened a half hour later, 30 minutes later. And I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And you, you, we could read the rest of the book of Revelation. They start blowing those seven trumpets, and what starts happening? Hell on earth. The wrath of God begins to pour out. When does that begin? In Revelation 8. When does that happen? Half an hour, 30 minutes after the rapture. You say, why, 
why would that, why does the Bible tell us that? Or why are you making a big deal about that? Here's why. Because Jesus said that the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On the same day that we're taken out, God begins to pour out his wrath. Say, why does he do that? Because God won't pour out his wrath on his children. We have not been appointed unto wrath. But the wrath and the tribulation are two different things. And they're separated by this big, huge event called the rapture. And I just want to make this point that the teaching of Jesus, go, go to Luke, Luke 21. We'll finish up right, right here, Luke 21. The teaching of Jesus lines up with what? What we would call the post-trib, pre-wrath rapture. Because Jesus says, hey, when I come back, he said, I, everyone's going to know. Well, that lines up with the post-trib, pre-wrath rapture, not the pre-tribulation rapture. Because he says, when I come back, I'm gathering together your life. It's the rapture. And everybody's going to know. It's not a secret thing. And when I come back, the same day, once I've gathered my elect, God's going to begin to part his wrath. It's the post-trib, pre-wrath rapture that Jesus teaches in this book. I want you to notice Luke 21. Now, Luke 21 is actually the Olivet Discourse. When we get to Luke 21 and I don't know, five years or something, we're going to spend a couple of days there in Luke 21. I'm just kidding. We're going to be there in, in this, this month or in November, November. Luke 21. But let me just show you this, verse 27. And then shall, this is the Olivet Discourse. This is separate from what Jesus taught in Luke 17, Luke 21, 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Notice how consistent. With power and great glory. You say, why, why study this? Why, why does it matter? Why should we study? Why should we know? Why does it matter? Here's why. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The truth is this, that if you and I if you and I are, are found worthy, really, to live through the tribulation and live until the rapture, here's what you and I need to understand. It's going to be a very difficult time. Now, the world's going to be eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. They're going to be buying and selling and building and planting. But you know who's not going to be buying and selling? You and I. We're going to be under persecution at that time. We're going to be going through a very difficult time. And, and the days are going to have to be shortened. And I don't have time to preach this, you know, but the Bible tells us that God shortens that great tribulation period to 75 days. Because, because if he doesn't shorten it, we'd all die. Because there's no way that we'd be able to make it. And Jesus says, I'm telling you these things. I want you to be aware of these things. Because when you begin to see these things... When, when, when you see the abomination of desolation go up, when you see the mark of the beast rolled out, when you see all these things, the one world government, the one world religion, just realize, realize that when these things begin to come to pass, he says, then look up and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nine. Because the day we're looking for is the day of the rapture. And it's not something that's going to overtake us like a thief in the night. We've already covered that in other sermons. He says, look up, look for it. Why? Because it's going to be like lightning flashing through the sky. You're going to see it. Everyone's going to see it. Nobody's going to be wondering what happened. Everyone's going to know that Jesus has came back.
bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I realize sermons like these, I don't know, maybe they're a little complicated or a little deep. But I, I pray you'd help us to understand these things, to learn these things. You give them to us for a reason and help us to learn them. Lord, we love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Uh, amen. We're going to have uh, Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song. We've got several baptisms tonight, so we'll go ahead and prepare for baptism as uh, we uh, sing those songs. Just be ready to sing a couple of songs.